Hello and welcome. I'm Jamie Hiles. I'm Lydia Judy. And I'm Derek Lamaster. And this is Screen Bloody Movies, the podcast where you get some horror news and a movie review from the three of us. Uh, I hope you guys are doing well. Um, we are doing pretty good. How are you doing, Lydia? Pretty good. I had a good day today. Took the dogs for a walk, got some Japanese food, gave the dogs a bath. Successful day for me. <laughs> and you, Derek? Uh, doing great. My wife and I found out yesterday we're having a baby girl. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, so we're pretty excited. She went straight out after the doctor's appointment, started buying a whole bunch of girl stuff. But hey, that was to be expected. <laughs> she told me she's broke today. Probably hear them upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> sure can, sure can. Uh, That's yeah. exciting. Very yeah. great news. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm pretty excited. Um, as of this recording, we have posted episode one, uh, which you can check out on YouTube and Spotify, um, as well as Anchor. Um, we will put the descriptions down here so you can see where to watch and listen to the podcast. Though, if you're listening to it, chances are you've already found it. So... <laughs> Um, there's no time to waste, guys. I've got a lot of horror news today. So I hope you guys are interested and ready to react to some of these. Let's do it. I'm going to start with what's the biggest news of the day as far as horror is concerned, which is, um, the trailer for this new film, um, starring Taryn Manning has dropped called Karen. You guys seen or heard anything about this? I have not heard anything about this. Nope. Okay. So Karen is a film directed by Coke Daniels. Um, and it's about as on the nose as you can get. Uh, Taryn Manning plays a racist woman named Karen White. <laughs> who terrorizes a black couple in an American suburb. Um, the reaction to the trailer has not been kind for, mo on the, for the most part, uh, with people describing it as a uh, Jordan Peele get out SNL skit. Uh, <laughs> they keep comparing it unfavorably to a, an SNL sketch. Uh, I'll let you guys watch the trailer and uh, see what you think of it. It's... Uh, I watched it earlier. It is definitely a thing that exists. <laughs> what is your reaction to such a movie idea, Derek? Two on the nose. <laughs> Sometimes you got to be subtle with your uh, with your messaging, and this doesn't sound very subtle. I don't know how much more I don't know how much more subtle you can be than Karen White. I mean, I mean, Lydia, what are you? What are your thoughts on this? I think it was only a matter of time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what's scarier? There is nothing scarier than a racist Karen. That is for sure. And nothing worse. So I will condone uh, taking them down for sure. But eek! It's, uh, it's an interesting film. So basically, she terrorizes an uh, African-American couple that moves into her neighborhood. And... Uh, <laughs> I mean, the sad thing is, you can picture that happening in real life. <laughs> oh well yeah absolutely yeah 
it just uh, looks not very. Uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> That's what I'll say. But we'll see. Next, uh, Lydia, I'm going to share my screen for this next one because I think you're going to dig this. Uh, NECA has announced that they are uh, making an action figure for the Wolfman. Oh. And I will share with you guys what this uh, looks like. And I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised by this. You guys see that? Ah. He looks pretty great. Um, he's to be released um, in 2021. Also, uh, it says uh, the Wolfman, Boris Karloff, and the Mummy, and Bela Lugosi is Dracula are all being released in this line. Nice. So uh, what are your thoughts on that? I know you probably have something to say about that, Lydia. Well, I think everybody is going to know what to get me for Christmas now. <laughs> I don't know if I can wait that long, but... Yeah, it looks pretty good. I was actually quite impressed with it. Um, this I just found out um, right before we started. But did you guys know that they are doing a... Uh, there are two new, two new Hellraiser projects in the works. So I didn't know that, but my follow-up to that is why... <laughs> Well, they're both kind of reboots, is what I'm hearing. Okay. Um, so they're not like the terrible direct-to-DVD sequels that we got, especially Revelation. Is that the one where they did it with a camcorder? Yes, that's the one. And there was a part where, <laughs> wasn't there like an incest part in that as well? Yes, yes. <laughs> it was literally made to keep the rights to Hellraiser. Well, like, uh, you know, kind of like they did with that uh, Fantastic Four reboot in the, uh, or the Fantastic Four try in the 90s. Mm. Um, but there are two. One is an HBO Max series headed up by David Gordon Green and Mike Doherty and Clive Barker. So Clive Barker's involved in uh, the HBO Max series and with David Gordon Green. And Michael Doherty, that, that sounds like it's going to be fantastic. Um, and there is a second one that is headed up by, uh, it's a feature film directed by David Bruckner, um, which is supposedly, um, we, I don't know much about it, but they found their lead actress. Okay, so it looks like it's a remake. Uh, the the reboot won't center on a new version of Christy Cotton, however. So it is a reboot. And it's uh, produced by David S. Goyer. Um, which, of course, you know, if you, if you guys don't know, is the writer behind Blade. Um, and the director of the third Blade movie. Mm. Uh, and uh, co-wrote the Batman. Uh, Batman Begins in the, in the Dark Knight with Christopher Nolan. Um, so he's got some great creds, but he also wrote and directed The Unborn, if you remember that. I do remember that, yeah. That movie from the uh, early aughts. So <laughs> what are your yeah. guys' thoughts on not one, but two Hellraiser? Bad move. <laughs> bad, bad move. <laughs> Why is it so bad? So I, I, if they would have went in one direction or the other, but unless they're going to cross over, 
uh, it's a bad move. I, mean, I feel I, like you're gonna. I think they might be competing properties. That's I a, think. Yeah, I think the, so, the rights got split. I don't know, but I think that's what it, that's what it's kind of sounding like. So yeah. they're competing properties. Like if you were gonna do like um, like start out like a a limited series that led into a feature film, maybe. But you, you can't have two competing you know, movies with the same storyline and the same <clears throat> characters that, well, uh, I mean, I mean, you can, but I would, let, not let's, it. let's put a pin in that. Cause I want to hear Lydia's reaction. Then I'll respond to your statement. Uh, Lydia, what are your thoughts on this? I honestly don't know. I didn't watch, I think I've seen Hellraiser one time and it was probably over 10 years ago. So I don't quite remember it except that it made me really uncomfortable with the gore. <laughs> That's that so, it's it's uncomfortable for a lot. The sex and the gore are uncomfortable to some. Uh, believe it or not, Derek and I, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure. I watched this as a kid. Yeah, me too. I watched the first Hellraiser as a kid. And looking back, I'm like, how in the, why was I allowed to watch this one? Like Nightmare and Friday I can get because they're tongue in cheek and fun. Yeah. But Hellraiser is like gross. Yeah. A skinless <laughs> guy walking around. I mean. Trying not to gonna let their seven-year-old watch that. <laughs> trying to have a woman seduce dude so he can basically use their flesh to rebuild himself. Yeah. That's pretty fucked. Yeah. <laughs> but to what you were saying, Derek, um, it's a thing that is happening now if, if rights are split. I mean, they did it with Child's Play. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you had the, the remake, which I actually thought was fun. I thought it was a pretty fun movie. Um, and now you have the TV series that's uh, airing on USA and Sci-Fi that's written by Don Mancini and stars uh, Brad Dorif and Jennifer Tilly and the whole gang. So you're continuing the original Chucky storyline, but you have this tangent where they remade the first movie because they have the rights to it. And so the, the movie it seemed like you thought it was fun. How did it do at the box office? I think it, it was a considered flop, right? I think it did well enough. I don't think it was uh, like a necessarily a flop. Um, it looked like it made yeah, it made thirty million domestically uh, on a budget of ten. You know, so worldwide it made. Uh, so yeah, it made its money. I mean, it made a decent amount of money, I would guess. Yeah, so, I imagine it. Uh, a lot of that was playing off of the original, like. Uh, the people who watched the movie originally because i i'm a big fan of uh you know all of the child's play movies um even the the most recent one where they're in the insane asylum mm -hmm. yeah so i i think they're fun and that's great that they're doing the tv series um but yeah i well so we'll I'll, see how this i'm excited yeah, for the i'm excited for the hbo max series um because of the involvement of David Gordon Green and Clive Barker and mm -hmm. Michael Doherty, I think that's going to be, it's a lot of horror cred and a lot of horror talent in that one, combined on that one series. Um, this is interesting. Uh, apparently, Otto Bathurst is going to direct a premium TV series um, of Frankenstein. A what? Right. <laughs> So a premium TV series um, 
let's see where it says. So basically, like, uh, if you saw the Netflix uh, version of Dracula, did you did you guys watch that? Netflix's Dracula. Mm-mm. Yes. So we're gonna do like a they're, so they're doing like a premium version of uh, Frankenstein. I don't know if it's gonna be directly like that, but um, it says it's a reimagining set in pre-Victorian Europe and focuses on the behaviors and obsessions of a scientist exploring the fine thread between life and death. So I see uh, Penny Dreadful. Yes. No. no. Jamie, did you like the uh, arc, the um, Frankenstein arc in that movie? Um, I, I didn't watch all of it, so I couldn't tell you. I've watched a few episodes of Penny Dreadful. Gotcha. But yeah, it's definitely an acquired taste for sure. But the thing with uh, this, what I think is interesting about it is, I mean, you can do anything with Frankenstein. You can always update and modernize Frankenstein. Uh, the last, I think, crack at Frankenstein was that James, uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry, was the, um, no, that, <laughs> that was definitely one. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe version is the one I was thinking of. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen that one. I remember With uh, James the, McAvoy. Yeah, I remember watching the uh, the trailers for it, but I had never actually seen that. Victor movie. Frankenstein, I think, is what it was called. Yeah. And it was fine. Did you guys see that movie? Nope. Oh, it, it was okay. But uh, that's some, you know, gothic horror news um, for you. And then finally, um, they are making a Wolf Creek 3. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I thought the first one was really disturbing. Yes. It was real disturbing. And when that guy finally showed his colors, he's a weird, weird dude. But, uh, yeah, very interesting. Lydia, do you have any thoughts on the third Wolf Creek movie? I haven't seen any of them, so. Oh, well. uh, That's the one in the Australian Outback, right? Yes, the one in the Australian Outback. I've never seen the second one, but the first one was... Something else. It's dark, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's definitely dark. And then one more little tidbit that I just found funny uh, and I'm rooting for is that uh, Steven Spielberg is still uh, reportedly determined to prevent a Jaws reboot from happening. And let's give yeah. him a round of applause. Yeah, fight the good fight, man. <laughs> we do not need a reboot to Jaws. It's perfect. Yeah, you know what? They should make a movie called like Deep Blue Sea or something. And Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely shouldn't uh you know try to mess with a masterpiece no. of a movie that's just silly man come don't, up with an original idea don't remake deep blue sea either that movie is perfect okay i actually like deep blue sea <laughs> and it was just the first shark movie i could think of no i mean <laughs> I it, it. it has oscar winning turns from uh, ll cool j there you go uh and, and that bird. uh Beautiful CGI shark that eats Samuel L. Jackson. So <laughs> I remember that when I was so little. Like I was like a little kid when that came out, and I I remember that scene fully to this day. <laughs> you know what? So do I. Uh, I remember watching that with my buddy Zach, and I watched it first before that. But um, I watched it with my buddy Zach, and when the shark jumps out and eats him. We rewound it like four times because we thought it was just the funniest thing. It's out of the blue. And the the CGI was so janky and bad 
because yeah. it was the early aughts, right? I mean, that was way early. So it's just, whoo! But yeah, that's a fun movie. It is. I, I, I remember cool. seeing the cover like on a big poster. I thought that cover was pretty cool. It was. Did you guys watch the Meg? No. Yep. It was fun. <laughs> it was. It was fun. It definitely was. It was. Uh... It's Jason Statham fighting a giant shark. Yeah. Come on. I mean, I'd pay money for that. They call it a uh, Finn and the Furious. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so I'm pretty sure Jason Statham was at least a collegiate diver, if I'm not mistaken. He might. Yeah, have, uh, I heard that too. He was definitely. I saw some video of him. Yeah, um, it's weird. He has hair, and I know. Disturbing. You're like, wait a second. I know who that guy is. All right. Uh, I think we've eased in enough, guys. Are you guys ready to tackle <laughs> this film? So last week, um, if you guys recall, we reviewed John Carpenter's uh, underrated uh, 1980 film, uh, The Fog. And we each gave it glowing marks. I think I gave it eight pumpkins. Uh, what did you give it, Lydia? Eight as well? Uh, I think it was a seven, but it should have oh. been, I feel like. Okay, so you're changing your rating to an eight? <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to go back on what I said, but I just feel like maybe it should have been an eight. And Derek, yours was a seven point two five. You stupid it son was of a, a bitch. Seven point two five. So let's see how those ratings. Let's see how those ratings compare to the two thousand five um, version of the Fog Master remake. So, yeah, so the first thing we got to get out of the way is that in the early 2000s, there was a trend of remakes in general, obviously. Um, you my cat. I'm sorry. I did not, but now that you pointed it out. Um, about ready to give her a tranquilizer or something. Um, so in the early 2000s, there was, a, there was a remake boom just in general, right? And they started remaking a lot of John Carpenter's properties. They did uh, Assault on Precinct 13. They did John Carpenter's Halloween, uh, which we'll probably get to one day. And then they did uh, this, The Fog. Um, and this was 2005, so this was right around the beginning of that um, remake boom. And uh, this is, movie was directed by uh, Rupert Wainwright and written by Cooper Lane, and it stars Tom Welling. Maggie Grace, and Selma Blair. So let's just start off, I guess, at the beginning, because that's the best place to start. Mm -hmm. Last week, we talked about the opening of The Fog at length, the opening of John Carpenter's uh, 80 Fog. And we talked about how great the atmosphere was, how it set the atmosphere. And it had that nice little ghost story and just grabbed us from the beginning, essentially, right? So this movie opens with what? What does it start with? It starts with uh, you get a glimpse of uh, them setting the boat on fire and, uh, you know, burning that down. That was actually one of my, so I made a list of good and bad. And I actually liked the opening of this, uh, this movie, the burning of the boat. I thought that it uh, gave a little insight <clears throat> into like that whole event. Because I think in the uh, the 1980 version, they ran it adrift on purpose, I believe, right? 
Yes. Yeah. So they they purposely ran ran it adrift in the 1980 version. So um, yeah, this one opens with the boat fire, and uh, pretty well done. It's fine. It's one of those you don't have context for anything, so you don't know. Except, mm -hmm. I'm not a fan of how it's shot. Doesn't look good, and the scares are just not there in the beginning. But um, my biggest problem with the beginning of this movie is its score. The score throughout this movie is boring. If I might, if I may say so, I don't. I'm not a fan of the score of this movie. When we talked last week about the opening theme to the the fog when the score kicks in, it's that eerie little piano note, which I'll drop in again right here. Uh, this is the score for the 2005 version of The Fog. So, I mean, there's just not really a comparison. Um, so you guys both like the opening. Yeah, it was, I mean, I didn't hate it. I, I did think, I mean, like you said, there's no, you know, reason to what's happening yet, except the fact that I had just watched the, the old one. So it's like, kind of like, why are they doing this? But um, yeah, it's like, it's fine. It's fine. So here's where my real problem comes in. It's right after we get the introduction, we get the, uh, or the opening, we get the introduction to our characters in present day. And we are immediately introduced to the new Nick Castle. Not played by the strappingly handsome Tom Atkins. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, strappingly handsome uh, Tom Welling. Just saying, in his own right. Just because you have a crush on Clark Kent hey. doesn't mean that my, he could... My son's name is Clark. There's a reason. Not Listen. because of Tom Welling, Superman. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would name him after the Henry Cavill version. <laughs> Because uh, we're introduced to our new Nick Castle, and immediately he's a dick. He's immediately sleeping with a woman while he's kind of committed to another woman. Uh, you know, you go back to that guy code, like different zip codes. She's in New York. I feel like whenever they do reconnect when he tries to pick her up and that goes awry. By the way, I think the, the acting in this, especially with that character, Tom Welling, <laughs> specifically that scene was pretty bad but uh, it did seem like they had a very strained relationship so i'm gonna give him a pass on that one um i am not i am not because um i mean you can make the argument yeah i mean she was gone or whatever um but he specifically mentions aren't you still with elizabeth so and he's like well yeah well if you're with her it doesn't matter if she's in Ghana. <laughs> I mean, she okay, left without yeah, telling a, him. Without she did leave without telling him. Yeah. She was, I mean, I guess in that, maybe he didn't get the memo. Uh, what, Fox. what definitely is, did happen is he, for no reason, is sleeping with Stevie Wayne in this film. Wouldn't you? Um, you know, the single mom who runs the, uh, the lighthouse. And then, uh, you know, just decides to, the story decides not to just bring it back at all. We have one awkward scene where he runs into her, but there's never a conflict between both of the, the, the female leads. It's just not a thing. So yeah, why the hell is that in there? 
I, I picked up That's on that my wife point. actually. At, we were laying in, like I had taken notes and things like that. We're laying there and just out of the blue, she's like, you know what I didn't like about it? What? She's like, they never did anything with this story arc. So yeah, I, I feel like that was a major miss. Yeah, so what do you think about Nick Castle, Lydia? Um, I thought, I mean, <laughs> in this movie, he's yeah, he just, like, isn't really... He doesn't listen to anyone. Like, I don't know. I guess he's a selfish... He's more of a selfish character in this one. Yes, I felt like he was selfish and kind of stupid, right? Yeah. I mean, kind of dumb. He just doesn't listen to anybody. And he's after just what he wants. He's like a... And, dude, he definitely tries to bang Elizabeth as the hitchhiker before he knows it's Elizabeth as the hitchhiker. Mm-hmm. My dude has some problems. So was he, that's, that's one thing that got me too, because I was like, clear, I thought, I was like, oh, he knew that was her. That's why he said that, to like mess with her. That's no. But I was like, but it was no. bad acting. So it like took away from the like comedy of the like, oh, I didn't realize that was you that I was hitting on. Like, yeah, so the intention, I believe, the intention is uh, that he doesn't know who she is. That's why she's in the dark and, She's kept in the dark, and that's why when she comes up to him, he's like, "Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah," is because he he doesn't know it's her. He literally is just trying to pick up on this hitch. He's like, "Oh, another lady," and he has to like chase after him instead of them chasing after him, like the great Tom Atkins. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I didn't even think about anything because I feel like we just skipped over the fact that it started this whole movie started with a fallout boy song <laughs> oh yeah that is true that is true uh it definitely places it in an era <laughs> yeah it well, does I actually made a, a notation about that as well like I feel like especially in the very beginning you you hit it right on the the nose it was too commercial mm-hmm. like it wasn't um you know, you could sell. You could tell that they were looking to sell a soundtrack to this movie, <laughs> as yeah. opposed to just trying to pick a you know a good song that fit. They're like, oh, you know, how much, what can we get out of this? It's really funny as I was watching. I don't not to give away my uh, you know I'm not going to give away my rating, but it's not a probably a surprise that I don't really like this movie. Um, but I remember when it started and that bit happens, and I'm about I'm about 15 minutes into the film, 20 minutes. I had the thought because of the style of filmmaking that we're in. And I, I had to literally send, I think he sent a text to you guys. And I said, were all horror movies in the 2000s this bad? Because like, I, like, I don't, didn't re- I think Derek said, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's good ones. We'll get to some good ones, but uh, in that era. But yeah, like uh, the Fallout Boy starts. And then we're introduced also to his friend Spooner, which Guys, Spooner was killing me in this movie. Yeah. Like, he's a very vapid character. He was a throwaway character. Mm. Actually, I'm, I'm really shocked he survived till the end. That was um, shocking. Yeah, I mean, his character is kind of pointless uh, and is a terrible person. <laughs> I mean, he's just flat out terrible. And he's clueless also. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. 
Do you guys and, do you guys recall the scene where uh, you know they do they find the boat and they go on the boat and they're looking around and they see all these dead bodies and then they find him and he's in the freezer and they're like, oh no. And then I mean it 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 has no <laughs> uh no jump scare ability to it he's just like and his eyes open. what dude i fucking jumped out of the couch when that happened yeah yeah that was so scary lydia called me and said i don't know if i can finish this movie it's so scary actually yes i i text you guys and i just want to throw this up on the on the screen if i can but this okay. line when they're on the ship, let's see if I can get it to look. Yes. Damn. You, you sexy as hell when you mad. mad. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, that's that. That's the spoon. That's Tim and Spooner at the beginning. And immediately the dialogue is terrible in this movie. Like yeah. flat out terrible. And then we're introduced to uh, Stevie, played by Selma Blair, whom I love. I love Selma Blair. I love her as an actress. I love her as a person. She's great. Um, and I think she would have been, uh, she's a good casting choice for the role of Stevie. I don't think that's a bad casting choice at all. But this version of Stevie, guys, uh, what are your thoughts? Starting with you, Lydia. I immediately, like, I heard the voice on the radio. And after hearing, you know, after just watching the old one, I was like, man, this voice just hits a little bit different. And I'm, I'm, you know, it's the time period again of like, you know, you probably don't hear that voice in 2005, you know, like that old voice. It's a kind of classic, like sexy radio voice, but, and she does have like a really great voice, but it's just not the same. Derek. So, uh, Jamie knows my little phobia that I have in real life with, uh, you know, cigarettes but uh you could tell like the 1980s she had that little bit of a raspy voice that little smoker voice you know what i'm saying and uh that i mean it worked for her it really gave her that like lower tone and that raspy it it was pretty sexy you didn't get that with selma in this one uh i mean she definitely has some roles where she you know fills that role but i do think it was a little lacking in this yeah my uh biggest problem is the directing of her character like the way mm -hmm. she's uh expected to act so she's trying to you know be sexy and there's a scene where she's like into the microphone like you know and she's kind of doing this with her mouth you know what i mean like trying to be like super pouty and sexy and it comes off as awkward i'm just saying i'm glad that we have that on video what you just did <laughs> i'm glad too That'll be on a highlight reel someday. One day I'm <laughs> going to show my children. <laughs> and they'll be proud. Yep. You're lucky I didn't try to eat the microphone. Um, but, so yeah, uh, this version of Stevie is, I don't feel as strong as the Stevie Wayne we knew in the other one. And while we're talking about Stevie, let's talk about the new Dan. Because the new Dan O'Bannon sucks ass. Yeah. I don't even remember him at all. And I just watched this last night. <laughs> he's lame. Like he's, instead, you know how, uh, you know, 80s, we talked about it. 80s Dan was, he was a little creepy on her, but not like disturbing. You know, he was yeah. kind of cutesy, crushy. 
And he's just like, oh, maybe we can meet sometime, blah, blah, little flirty. This Dan sends her a webcam. Well, you know, it's the early 2000s. That's what you do. I mean, does, who does he think she is? Shannon Elizabeth? Like, uh, what's going on here? That was a good reference. I only had one uh, one note about Dan, and all I wrote was Big Dan. <laughs> just... <laughs> And when he died, you're just like, adios. Oh, <laughs> his his death. Oh, yeah. We'll get to let's let's spend a second to talk about the deaths. Uh, I mean, first, I guess let's talk about a couple of the uh, other characters that are introduced. We're introduced to the father yep. character in this one, which is way different than the original and way more cliched. Mm-hmm. Don't you guys feel like the priest in this movie was super 100%. cliched? Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, I mean, from the very beginning, it, it's not like he was discovering the truth. It was passed down from his father. And so it's not a, a revelation, if you will, to play on that biblical aspect. It wasn't a revelation. It was a, like, there are some scenes where he, it's like he has Tourette's. And you're just like, they were killers. <laughs> you're, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, there's definitely like uh, a weird thing about him. They like made him just the crazy preacher that you see in horror movies all the time. So they're reducing yeah. from a character who is discovering these situations and feeling guilt for what his ancestors did to somebody that already knows about it and is, uh, I don't know, like just a crazy guy. And we'll get to the revelation in this of this movie later, which is a whole other ball game of stupid. But um, also, Old Man Mansion in this movie, like what the hell? So gone is this guy that tells these kids this great ghost story, and he's replaced by a dude that wears like goggles on his head and walks around with a uh, metal detector. <laughs> hey, everybody has a retirement plan. What did you guys think of this character in particular? I didn't even realize it was the same character. That's what I thought of him. <laughs> you had to you you and I were talking and uh, you brought it up. I'm like, oh man, I didn't even realize it was uh, the same guy. He was a throwaway guy. Lydia. Yeah, I don't know. I liked him compared to all the other characters. <laughs> That's how weak these characters are. Because we're we're also we're failing to mention our leading lady, Maggie Grace plays Elizabeth in this movie, who is a hundred and fifty percent a completely different character than she was in the original. Um, in this movie, she's from the town. She's returning home. Her mother's part of it. And by the way, spoiler alert. <gasps> She's the, she, well, okay. You don't know. You don't, you don't know. know. You don't they know. Don't explain so it. We will get into the, I don't want to, do you guys want to talk about the ending right now? Do you want to no, talk about the revelation no, or do you want to wait? Yeah, let's go through a little bit more of uh, okay. the film. Okay, 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 okay. Let's talk about the kills real fast while we have a second. Um, the, the kills in this movie are, uh, what, what would you use to describe them? Lydia, what would you use to describe the kills in this movie? Lame. That's a good word. That's a good word. Textbook. Um, yeah, like nothing memorable. All uh, done with CG. Oh, there's one that's memorable. 
What's that? The the guy we were just talking about. He had the literally the worst death scene in history because it was like following this rope off the beach and then goes into the water and then the fog rolls all over him and you're just like, well, that was really anticlimactic. <laughs> and that was probably the best one. It yeah. probably was. Yeah, I, I was like, man, a ship's gonna like roll over his head or something. Nope, just the fog. So in this movie, uh, I mean, we kind of ha- were talking about it with the 80 fog. One of the things we had like a kind of a question about and it was kind of one of our little... Uh, problems with the movie is it wasn't clear to define what the ghost powers were like we talked about how we didn't know what you know so are they is it just a revenance or is it just do they control the as a fog supernatural to itself we had a bunch of questions that we kind of answered but there's some that were still left a little bit vague which is fine it's a ghost story it should be kind of vague this one has like there's no rhyme or reason at all so they can just uh move physical objects with their mind essentially like i mean he uses he they move a knife to kill the the ladies in the boat uh they use the glass to kill the preacher um like just very and then he randomly catches the one dude on fire with a book or a contract that knife was like the dumbest thing actually that was a throwback uh, that knife was used um, in the so they they circle back to the boat scene to give more, uh, you know, a, a better explanation of that. I'm pretty sure that was the same knife that was used to kill yeah. one of the uh, um, the people on the boat in the exact same way. So there was a callback to it, but I mean, you could blink and miss it. Yes, yeah, uh, I think I blinked because I missed that. But well, I the really execution thought, is terrible. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the girls like get thrown out of the window they're just dead and you're like oh okay well that was easy <laughs> like i it was like the most confusing death scene and then like i mean the guy hid in the freezer and like apparently the fog you can't go into the freezer yeah it's a lot like <laughs> the it's a lot like the blob <laughs> yeah which we will talk about next week <laughs> yeah and those girls by the way uh everybody's wearing jackets literally like through the beginning of this movie, except for those two girls that are on the boat dancing in bikinis. <laughs> oh my gosh. And the, it just the seems so out of place. Tom, Tom Welling uh, is like wearing this giant sweater when like everybody is clearly like comfortable, like yeah, just wearing yeah. like shirts outside and he's wearing yeah. this massive sweater. Yeah. It's a turtleneck. Yeah. It's supposed to kind of be a throwback to uh, the original where Nick's wearing like a, you know, kind of like a sweater with this cool jacket they did so many throwbacks and like none of them were land none of them land well because also like his stature is completely different than tom atkins you know tom welling is much younger um uh less hot uh (laughs) subjective (laughs) back me up here lydia back me up yeah i mean yeah i'm gonna I'm going to back up Jamie on that one. <laughs> See how it is. I'm choosing sides. But, I mean, um, he is sexy when he's mad, though. <laughs> sexy as hell, even. Yeah. He is sexy as hell. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the kills just completely back to what we originally started talking about here. The, the kills lacked all cre- creativity. And 
even the ones that were semi-creative, uh, just um, the execution was not good. There's just, there's a lot. I want to, I, I wrote this down. There is a lot of throwing in this movie. People get thrown in like a fuck ton in this movie. <laughs> like, and it's always slow motion or forward. There's a bunch of people diving out of windows in this movie. Mm -hmm. A lot of window diving and thrown into glass. That's like a... It's called action, Jamie. I dropped my pencil. My bad. You were going to say something, then you just quit, so I paused. Well, yeah, you, I wanted to like, let you. Uh, I wanted to let you finish. Yeah. So I. This encapsulates exactly what you're talking about. The death scenes were so bad that the shower scene sucked. Like the shower scene uh, with uh, Elizabeth <laughs> and. It oh. Was, it was the worst. How do you mess that up, man? Oh, dude, that, that is the, that scene disturbed me actually because it's just so gratuitous and not needed but it's also so PG-13 and awkward. Yeah, yes, the dialogue awkward. leading up to it, too, was like, that he was like, let's go back to the house and have some wild and crazy sex or something. Like, made a comment about wild sex, and then they're just, like, in the shower, just, like, touching each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's their kink. Their kink. I mean, you know, they haven't explored enough. Their kink is a uh, slow, touchy-feely shower. Uh, I bet you they only got the third base by the by the feel of those. <laughs> I mean, there may be some touching going on, but then there's this really awkward moment at the end of the shower scene where they do like a cut of her and she's like just staring forlornly forward, like she's lost in time. And I was like, not the movie for this. <laughs> she is always doing that too. I know. It's like, what is going on? Um. So, yeah, you're right, Derek. Glad you brought that up. That's a terrible one. So we start to unravel bits of the plot. We get kind of uh, recreations of certain scenes. Uh, so they kind of do the recreation of the um, Elizabeth Dane being, uh, the board of the Elizabeth Dane being found, right? But in this version, it's what? Uh, what, is, what does the boy find instead? A hairbrush. Hairbrush, right. Elizabeth. The, the hairbrush, the mysterious hairbrush. Mm -hmm. So they kind of bring that back, um, that scene, but it's like, if it's that scene, if it were done badly. It's <laughs> the best, best way I can describe it. Well, and the reference to the ship is always, like anytime that they show a computer screen, it's like, glitch, Dane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just thought Dane Cook was coming to do some comedy, guys. Were you looking out for the big Kool-Aid dude? <laughs> Just like dang. Yeah, that is weird. That is a weird thing. Why the hell was that in there? Well, uh the only like the only other reference to the ship was the symbols. Like there was that uh, little drawing. Which of course when she catches fire, when when the hairbrush catches fire, it burns those drawings into the... Come on. Me, me and Jake were laughing so hard at that scene. Like we like paused it and we're looking at the the actual papers that were up there and it's clearly just like the symbols are printed on that paper. <laughs> like they're just printed with like some scorch marks in it. Maybe that it's a three D printed good. arson. It's it's something is what it is. That was yes, a terrible I, joke. Also, the 
uh, I, I just ignore him now. I'm used to him. <laughs> Over the last 25 years, I've just learned to ignore them. <laughs> so rude. So rude. <laughs> um, but the hairbrush itself, when, during the scene, there's a shot of it like starting to like catch fire. And it's clearly just like this hairbrush with the red LED light in it. And it looks so, because the way it shot, they didn't shoot it the right angle to make it look. It just looks, I'm just like, I mean, it's clearly just a light inside that, that brush. What's going on here? And then, of course, the scene happens and it's not very good. And then she immediately calls her son and she's like, where did you, where did you find that? Oh, by the beach. You can't go, don't go to the beach with, you know, you can't go to the beach until I get home. Don't pick up anything else from the beach. Okay, mom. Who was that? Nobody. I'm going to go down to the beach. Yeah. <laughs> you little bastard. <laughs> it honestly sounds like something my son would say. Sounds like something we would say as teenagers. It is, it is, that is true. Hey, I, but, I do want to get this in because I thought that this was uh, one of the highlights of the film. Um, so before they go back and they have that really awkward shower sex scene, uh, uh, they're driving through. Is it is it then that the uh, initial fog rolls in? And the like slowly as they're driving through town, the lights start to go out mm. behind mm -hmm. them. Do you recall that one? I mm -hmm. thought that was a. That was, was later in the movie, I do believe. Was yeah. It? Okay. Yeah. I liked that. Maybe. I liked that scene too. I yeah, think that was... I feel like that is around that when they're like going back to that house. Yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah, maybe you're right. Um, I was so distracted the by the terrible dialogue that I know I the like, dialogue is I was just like, bad. Oh, that was almost really cool. <laughs> the fog itself. Let me talk about the, the fog itself. Looks oh, terrible in this movie. It's all <laughs> CG. It, it just is. looks bad. It looks like just a cloud of CG coming at you. There was one scene where Jake was like, oh, it looks good right there. <laughs> yeah, it's very few and far between. When people, like when the old man interacts with it, I think they actually use fog in that scene. But for the most of it, it's just terrible CG fog. Mm -hmm. And it's like, come on, man, get a fog machine. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's lazy. Plus, I, don't, I don't think the old one was perfect when it came to the fog either. So no, but they, but they at, at least had. At least fog. the fog was there. Yeah, at least yeah. there was actually fog. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah, lazy is the best way to describe it because it's, you know, I mean, not for the special effects people that tried to do it. I mean, they worked their butts off probably to get, make it look good, but it's just like, you know, the, the it's like when they were making it like, okay, and here uh, there's going to be fog. Okay, let's continue on instead of, hey, let's try to figure out how to make fog in this scene or at least some fog so they have reference. Um, so anyway, uh, I guess it's time to talk about the backstory of this film, of the founding of um, Antonio Bay. So in this version, it's not the, the centennial of Antonio Bay like it was in the uh, 1980 version. In this one, they're just building statues to the leaders. Yeah, they're which, unveiling. Yeah, they're unveiling the statues, which why they decided to do it now, who knows? But that's, that's the big thing. They're unveiling the founders. Um, which are the four guys that we see at the beginning. Um, so that statue was way bigger in this one. Yes, 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 it was. There is four of them. There's yeah. Four, four big statues. And uh, so we, we get the unveiling of, unveiling of the statues. That's the whole plot. Um, and I guess that's why the fog decides to come back. That and Elizabeth comes back, which we'll get to. Um, so in this version of it, Basically, the 
four founders go onto the ship and just like straight up murder folks. Well, yeah, and there's a little bit uh, more to it. Like they had an agreement where they were going to sell part of the island to the lepers. To the lepers, and uh, it was a double cross essentially. And then they go on and they rob the entire ship and then take all the gold. And then as a going away present, they uh, send him off with a fire brigade. But <laughs> what's it anyway, so they uh, they set the ship on fire and they kill everybody. So it's a double cross. And then they built the the town on the land that they were supposed to inherit, the, the lepers. Mm-hmm. Which actually, I think that the the backstory behind all of it was a little bit more uh, uh, explained in this movie compared to the previous. I actually well, enjoyed that part. Uh, I would say it's maybe a little more explained. It's it's the same backstory, just with added bits. Yeah, um, more detail. But I, I would argue that you don't need that detail. If you have an imagination, you just hear the story. You know what's going on. You don't need to be spoon-fed exactly every like- little... Like when they're in the restaurant and he's like, here, drink this. You'll feel better when she's like clearly freaking out. And they're just like, they look up and they notice the pictures on the wall. Oh, God. God damn it. The pictures. It's like, oh, I wish they would have just not made that scene at all. Look at these pictures before and after. Yeah. Before and after. Yeah. Horrible. They did it like so many times. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, okay, audience, are you getting it? We're going to do it five more times so then you understand before and after. <laughs> really bad. Yeah, really cringe, really bad. Um, so I would argue, yeah, I would argue that the backstory, while fine, is just not, it doesn't need to be fleshed out so much because people aren't stupid. They, I've never no, watched. There's definitely a, a like a tipping point, and Lydia, I think you hit it right on the nail. Where they're like before and after, the <laughs> the the boat scene and the conversation and the double cross, and that's more isolated. What I was referring to, I enjoyed that aspect of it. I think it fulfilled the story a little bit more. Uh, I mean, I, I agree. Think it's... I agree with that, and I think that I kind of thought that in the original that there might have been a connection like that because the hitchhiker's name is Elizabeth. And I was just like, that's the name of the ship. That's the name of the girl. Is there a connection there? And there just never, there never was. Mm. And that's fine. And then in this one, they're like, yeah, we're going to make it a huge connection. (laughs) Well, in this one, don't even pay it off. This one is no, this one, the connection is, uh, what's the stupid. That's the word I was looking for. (laughs) Connection is stupid. So, The big plot reveal in this movie is is that Elizabeth, a character who is the daughter of the descendants of one of the forefathers, by the way, is somehow the reincarnation of Blake's wife, which, by the way, dude was cradle robbing hardcore. Yeah, no, I I said that to uh, my wife, Quincy. He's like, yeah, he's robbing the cradle. I mean, th- th- he was like, what, 67? And she was all of 20? <laughs> Good Lord. The original Hugh Hefner. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the big reveal is that she is the reincarnation of him. So we start getting hints of this. And one of the things I liked least about this movie is that all of the interesting things that happen 
in the original film all happen to Elizabeth in this movie. Mm-hmm. Basically, it just turns from being what I really like about the original Fog is that it's a true ensemble piece. There's not a lead. The leads are Nick. The lead is Stevie, Elizabeth, uh, fa- the father. They're all equal leads. You know, their stories are interweaving. Um, in this one, it becomes uh, around the middle part. It just becomes the Elizabeth show. Um, and uh, a really poorly constructed ring ripoff, basically, where she's trying to uncover the mystery. And it's that whole J-horror uh, kind of vibe that was popular at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the scene... <sighs> where she... They find Spooner on the, on, the, on the ship, right? They find Spooner on the ship, and Spooner had that camera because he's being a creep to those women, making them dance in sub-zero temperatures in their bikinis. Um, he's recording it. So they, he says, hey, keep a hold of this. So Nick, Nick's like, hey, keep a hold of this in case we need it. Instead of, I don't know, turning it over to the police, because that's what you do with evidence. So then they could look at it and say, oh, there's some crazy stuff going here. But this guy clearly did not kill these girls no, or that so guy. I, yeah, and I thought that too. At that point, Nick doesn't really know what that video holds. So it, it could clear him, but it also could indict him. And maybe he wants to review it. But yeah, I'm with you. You turn that over. And then when she actually, this part made no sense whatsoever. No. She reviews the footage. Then she falls, loses yeah. the footage. And then like, there's, it, that's it. It's done. <laughs> just, yeah, what's really, it had it's, no purpose. It's, it's so stupid. She watches, she's like, oh, I'm going to walk across this with the camera. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then she finds the journal, which she's like freaked out about and tries to tell Nick and he is like, I don't have time to listen to you right now. <laughs> don't talk to me, woman. Nick. Elizabeth, what happened? Can we talk outside? No, um, it's not a good time. It's important. No, I, I can't. I can't right now. Spooner's really in trouble. Just give me a minute. <laughs> I'm busy talking to my friend who thinks I'm sexy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not a tractor, so we're heading in the right direction. It's just doesn't make any sense why uh that she would just walk across with the camera. Put it down. And then do your like high wire act. I don't really weird and silly. And that's when we first start getting our glimpses that she is involved with Elizabeth because then she falls in the water and this really long slow motion scene where she's underwater it, it, the scene lasted 45 minutes i think <laughs> i think i fell asleep and then woke back up and it was still going <laughs> <laughs> it was it was long so so we find out that she's the reincarnation of elizabeth right so then the the fog hits town and wreaks havoc on the town um the survivors all gather into the church, right? Like they do in the original, except uh, this one, actually, they first, they gather in the town hall, right? Not yeah. the church, the town hall in this one. So they gather in the town hall and <laughs> inexplicably Spooner runs in, 
Hey guys! <laughs> I watched it and I laughed out loud. I was like, what the hell is he doing here? Is that when he sees the, the pirate ship or the, the ship? Yeah. The ghost, yes. ghost ship. He saw it on the dock. That's yeah. when I was like, oh my God, this guy is dumb. Yeah. And, and he was like, what is that? It's like, you already saw that. You know what? Uh, yeah, you saw it earlier. I don't understand this. You already know what that is. <laughs> when you see the, when you see the, uh, by the way, when you see the ghost ship in Doc, all I could think of is Cheech Marin from Ghostbusters 2, where the Titanic arrives, and he says, better late than never. It's <laughs> <laughs> all I, I can think uh, about. Yeah, when the, the ghost ship, uh, when you see it, I had hardcore, uh, uh, like a recall to Ghost Ship. Oh, you remember yeah. that one? Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, much better movie than this, actually. Yeah, go watch. Don't watch this movie and just go watch Ghost Ship. Ghost Ship, Ghost Ship. Scream bloody movies approved. <laughs> 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 now that we got a plug for Ghost Ship out of the way. <laughs> um, did Did you guys uh, do you recall anything that was memorable about the Mork scene? Yeah, I remember it being not as good as the original. It definitely was not as good as the original. And there was a scene when the like the corpse gets up and it walks over to Elizabeth and he's like, What he says something. Oh <laughs> blood for blood. Dude. And, <laughs> blood for blood. So so awful. And she, and she just stands there and lets that right? happen. Like, what are you doing? I made, I made a note. I, that guy had to have the worst breath ever. <laughs> oh my Good god! That right scene. Ear. That scene is just atrocious. I, I literally laughed out loud during the morgue scene because. So my wife was sitting next to me watching it, and um, she fell asleep. She fell asleep pretty early. And there was a couple scenes where I laughed out loud and she was like, this isn't very scary, is it? And I said, no, no, it's not. It's I'm probably go. a perfect movie for her. Yeah. She goes, I'm going to go lay down. I was like, okay, yeah, you, you go in the other room. I don't want to put you through this hell. And uh, so she goes and lays down. But the morgue scene is one of them that I, I think I woke her up laughing because he just stands. It's just so, so, so badly done. He like stands up in the blood for blood. And I was like, he didn't need to say anything. You know, he just, what would be scarier is if he stood up, fell over and then wrote some shit on the ground. Cause that was a lot scarier last time. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, the morgue scene is, is, is no bueno. Um, then we get to everybody's in the um, museum, right? Everybody's in the museum and they start arguing amongst themselves. And then we start, we get to see the revenants clearly. And boy, do they look bad in this movie. Mm, yeah, they do. Yeah, CGI in this movie in general was just atrocious. So, so terrible. No part of it was good. Even the like transparent knocking, which by the way, using the hooks was so much better. Now they got that like little knocker. It, it's so bad. Yeah, they look really bad. Um, they're not near as memorable like what you talked about last week, Lydia, with 
them standing there with their glowing red eyes, and they looked cool, especially with the fog and the shadow. Uh, these ones looked like uh, they were rejected off the set of Ghostbusters. Like, it was like they were like, you're not even scary enough for our comedy. So you got to go to another movie. Yeah, and you're talking about Ghostbusters, the remake. Oh, <laughs> yeah. they look just about as bad as those ones. Yeah. Um, so Blake comes in and people start being killed via throwing. There's, I think there's a couple of throwing deaths or pull, <laughs> pulling deaths, right? I mean, does Elizabeth's mom get pulled in how she dies? Yeah. She gets yeah, like out of the window, pulled out of the window. So it's like, there's another window. And then the priest gets thrown into a couple cases before he uses the glass to impale him in what is the worst scene of this movie, in my opinion. I agree. I agree with that. The priest's death is the worst scene in this movie. That terrible slow motion, no blood, awful fake glass going through him is unforgivable. Well, and the fact that he's in like a glass tornado kind of vortex thing and only three pieces of glass touch him. <laughs> I was confused why they didn't just like the tornado of glass is a cool idea around him. I don't know why they just didn't bring him in and like they all impaling. And yeah. then he falls. That's what I would have done. Uh, you know, because it would create more of like a, a a blunt scare. And like, you know, you'd like, oh. But instead, they're like. <laughs> and then he's like acting like he's getting shot by 50 cal. Oh. Oh. They and just I like was just slowly like. Slowly. Yeah. Like... Except it was like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think about this scene, Derek? I think Lindy and I made our uh, thoughts known. No, I'm uh, I'm with you. I thought that it was uh, poorly done and uh, underwhelming. I would say uh, is a good way to to phrase that because you're right. There's so many more things they could have done with that, more elaborate. I'm sure they were like, "Hey, budget constraints. We'll just you know, in CGI, we'll you know, just act like you're getting shot." <laughs> That's Trust a wrap me, for the day. We're gonna look great. Let's move on. <laughs> so yeah, uh, then the survivors. So uh, the priest's brother, uh, which by the way, in this version, he has a brother um, who is part of the town chair, who's hanging out with Elizabeth's mom the whole movie. She he replaces essentially uh, the um, Nancy Loomis character from um the first movie mm -hmm. um so they uh he gets thrown out of the window no joke literally thrown out of the window because that's what happens in this movie people get thrown a lot <laughs> so thrown out of the window and then he like starts begging john blake and he, there's this really weird scene where he like writes the contract um and hands it to him and he catches fire i'm guessing so that because it's a callback to him their ancestors catching them on fire mm -hmm. which i get but it's not very well uh um well executed really i guess is the best way to say it it's not very clear what's going on and instead it just just seems like huh he's you know psych you double cross me i double cross you back you're on fire and so, of course, what is the fire, guys? 
it's CG. Mm-hmm. And super That unquote. wasn't that wasn't real fire. I not when it first starts. <laughs> I mean, I know, it's surprising because it moves just like real fire. Um, but so he's dead, and I forgot we forgot to mention that um, at this point uh, before this, Nick and Elizabeth go to um, Stevie's house to save her son. Mm-hmm. That whole scene happens. Except instead of it being the climax of the movie, like, you know, basically the big climax of the movie, like it is in uh, the original, it's kind of fairly, like, mundane. What do you guys think of the babysitter version in this? The babysitter death and the whole version in this movie? I have a couple of thoughts. Go ahead, Derek. So, uh, one, not necessarily related to her death or anything, but the Jeopardy scene. (laughs) I, I rewound it because I was like, what just happened? What did that say? Did, <laughs> did anybody catch this? Yeah. And it was about the uh, Swift advocates uh, for poor children to be eaten to, yeah. to, to combat poverty. Yeah, I did. It was a Jeopardy that. question. I, I looked it up because I was like, is this even real? No, it's a satire piece that was done. But uh, you know, that one was interesting to say the least and then was it was it here where they had the, the the dish scene like someone was doing dishes and like the hand comes up out of the water and attacks them yeah yes that's yes. the babysitter yes yeah. I, I actually liked it. that scene <laughs> i, I, I thought was so was confused by decent. that scene i thought the babysitter was creepy in this one i it was did i was like wasn't it the I kid's was like, hand? As soon as I saw her, I was like, ugh. <laughs> it was like, she like was not like expressing anything, but she was just like, kind of like giving this energy of like staring into your soul. Like, I don't understand her at all. And her death was like the most confusing thing to me. I don't get that. That was the coolest death. And it was on a character that you don't know anything about. She had like three scenes. Yeah, she just yeah. watched Jeopardy. That's it. Yeah. Everybody's got one of those dance. <laughs> well, I know you do. <laughs> I do have one or two. <laughs> that death was crazy. I'm. Can are you guys not like even shocked at that or like what's what happened? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I think it, it's supposed to be that she catches fire too. Somehow, because whenever she brings her hands up after she was doing dishes and her hands start to like, yeah, she like like, falls apart, like disintegrates so fast. Like the the father didn't do that. No, no. When he has the contract, they could have done something cool like that. But instead, they just like let him just like burn on the ground. Yeah. This lady is in her house in a house and she's like. Just like ash all of a sudden, like what? Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. cool. It's very, it's very bizarre, like the, the fact that they decided to use that death on her, um, and like, how, why does it do that? Is also interesting. I mean, why, you know, why doesn't it do it to anyone else? Yeah, and why did it do it to? So I guess if you said it's her aunt, it would make sense because in this version, all of the main characters are descendants of these people. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was not a thing in the original. But in this one, all of them were descendants. So, you know, Stevie Wayne, her great-great-grandfather was part of the town. 
and Nick Castle's great-great-grandfather, and Elizabeth's great-great-grandfather, and the father Malone's great-great-grandfather. So um, if that's really her aunt, then it makes sense why they give her like a death that is for, you know, like the traitors. But if not, if she's not her aunt, then why do that to that woman? You know, <laughs> yeah. like, like we've got one we're saving for a really special moment. And then they ran out of time. I'm like, hey, we've got one more character. Let's just it is her aunt. It's Aunt Connie. Uh, so yeah. I guess that's why. Also, I'm uh, going to say it's a dick move that they killed the dogs. Oh, my God. a fan of that dead dog. That was honestly, okay, the guy that owned the dogs was my favorite character in this movie. I yeah, because so he cared bad. about his dogs. I felt so bad for him. Like, he literally broke my heart. And, like, All he wanted was his dogs. Wait, yeah, he was leprosy. Talking, <laughs> he was talking to Nick, and his face was all, like, bandaged up, and he just looked so sad. And he was like, <laughs> Nick's talking to him, literally does not ask him at What all the hell happened to your face, face, man? Yeah. Well, that does might be a rude... mention it. And he, he, when he walks away, <laughs> he's just like... Yeah. <laughs> like he's like so sad that he's like I've got to go back. Those dogs are the only things I have. Yeah. Even before that, even before that whole mm -hmm. scene, like he was like so sad that he didn't notice that his face was messed up. <laughs> like, yeah, and and his son's dead because of course the fog kills his son because his son is a descendant because everybody in this movie is related. It's it's so. Twisty, that um, poor guy and his dogs deserves an award because <laughs> they were the best part. So it's time we talk about uh, we talked about the revelation, but now let's talk about the, the payoff, quote unquote payoff to Elizabeth's uh, story. Uh, Derek, I'll let you start with lead with this one because I think you had some thoughts uh, on this. I do, and before I do that, I want to do like a little rant that you're gonna maybe enjoy. Payoff. You talk about payoffs, <laughs> payoffs. There was no payoff in this, uh, really. I, I didn't think so. It was just a hey, she is walking away, and then she turns back, and then they like all the ghosts turn and look at her, and she walks over, and then <laughs> she's a ghost. It, <laughs> it, it made no sense whatsoever. That was the one thing that they really failed to connect to make this the movie make sense in general was there what there was something missing because i would have expected her to be some sort of a, de uh, a descendant of someone on the ship which she wasn't um but yeah it was just like uh you connect the dots make up whatever you want fill in this backstory <laughs> lydia your what? thoughts on your thoughts on this your thoughts on this what do I think? I, I'm conflicted because I kind of liked it. I I liked the I liked the ghost. I was rooting for the ghost, and I was like, if I had the choice, I would just go be with that guy. I would go be with the ghost. I would turn. I, I would turn to the ghost life. I hear what you're saying, and I would agree if it made any bit of sense. <laughs> but it does not. To Derek's point. It literally makes no sense. It's um, like she, what doesn't make sense is that how was she the re, 
birth of Elizabeth? Like, how is she, you know, her reincarnation? But yet all these other folks don't get reincarnations. Um, and how is she a, re a reincarnation when she's literally a descendant of people that aren't even related to Elizabeth? You know, they could have put a five second scene in this movie to, to, to connect it and make it make sense. And that if, if they would have like made a, a, a scene where they've set the ship on fire and this lady is holding a baby and she like hands it to one of them. And, you know, just out of mercy, they're like, oh, they take the baby and take it off the ship. That right there is they're out. Yes. <laughs> but then they can't that minor. It, but then it would be his it would be like his granddaughter so she wouldn't be able to like join join him for the the sexy ghost lovemaking that is apparently supposed to be happening hey this was the like <laughs> 1680s anything was possible <laughs> i don't think it was that long ago buddy <laughs> i just chose a i just chose a uh, a random date but they're lucky that they didn't see if she could float yeah was this in kentucky did she read? <laughs> Good lord. Oh man. Um so yeah, so then my biggest problem with the whole movie is the actual ending. The actual ending yeah. here. Uh so we talked a little bit about Stevie. She goes through some of this stuff and then for some reason she randomly leaves. She's in her car, it breaks down, blah blah. There's this with her being trapped underwater, which we didn't mention. Mm -hmm. Uh in the original movie, Stevie can't leave the White House or the lighthouse, which is great tension building because then she's stuck and her kids at a completely different location and she has to rely on these people to get them. And she's losing her mind. She's scared. Um, the work builds the tension. This one, she leaves. The water scene happens, um, which apparently was hell to shoot, uh, according to uh, Selma Blair, which of course it would be. Um, and then she shows up and she's with everybody during the final act. So their survivors are Nick, uh, Spooner, um, Stevie, and her son. And so after the whole story's wrapped up, after Elizabeth just joins the ghosts, and the ghosts are just like, let's bounce. Like, they didn't even say, well, there's Castle still here. There's one descendant left. They're like, now nah, we're good. Drop the mic, we're out. Not only that, but like, how how are you going to be somebody who survives that and then stays on the island? Right, and that's that's where I was getting to. I'd have like, been like out there hitchhike. Maybe that's where Nick is going. He's like, I, I got nothing left here. I'm leaving. No, but... he goes on the boat. <laughs> you wouldn't get my ass near the I ocean again. That, I would get on that boat to get off the island. But then I, once I got on dry land, I'm good. But none of them. Not a one of them. Steven goes back to her radio I show. And I don't like, think Whoa. it's an island, Derek. I think it's uh, like a coastal city because she oh. was hitchhiking. That's from true. From like New York, right? Isn't that where she yeah. went to? Yeah, New she York? went to New York. So I think it's a coastal city and not yeah. an island. So you would not find me on the water at all after ghost pirates just came and killed a bunch of people I knew. Yeah. <laughs> not, and then Stevie has the wherewithal after all the trauma she's seen. She has a professionalism not to miss her morning broadcast. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying, man. I'd have been out of there. I'd have been uh, calling people, hey, I got a book I want to write. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't believe it. But uh, it wouldn't be on the island, that's for sure. It's a coastal city, Derek. 
It is a coastal city. <laughs> and that was uh, keep getting that one wrong. <laughs> what are you hey, gonna do? It happens. It happens. So now it's uh, time for us to give our ratings for this particular masterpiece of a film. Um, Derek, we'll start with you. What would you give uh, Rupert Wainwright's 2005 remake of The Fog? Uh, you know, I'm not going to go as, uh, as hard on it as IMDb. I think it's got like, like a three point something. Um, I would give it a five and a half, 5.5. It definitely could have improved in many ways, but I did enjoy watching it. Derek with the, Derek with the high rating. (laughs) Lydia, what would you give this movie? I was going to say two. (laughs) I'm going to give it a two. I mean, I gave Pet Cemetery remake a two, and I think this one is like right there with it. Um, I think it, this movie would probably be great for younger kids. Um, so maybe there's an audience there that like I don't I don't know if younger kids today would be able to watch something from 2005, but uh, maybe. I know. As I don't. A, I don't know children, so I know as <laughs> I a, cannot answer for them. I know as a thirty-five-year-old man, I was having trouble watching *Sun* from two thousand five. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> okay, so, guys. With a two. Uh, my pumpkin rating is going to surprise you guys. It's a seven. I'm just kidding. I am just <laughs> kidding. I would give this one a. I'd give it a three, uh, a three and a half. We'll say because I don't. I don't want to quite give it a four. But I don't want to necessarily give it a three. I'd give it a th- Here's why. I think it's just as bad as uh, the 2019 Pet Cemetery. But I don't think it's as miserable of an experience as watching the 2019 Pet Cemetery. I think that this one is not as dour. It's not as depressing. It's not as, you know, it, it's not a slog to get through. It moves at a pretty decent clip, I feel like. I feel like it, the pace, after the, after the first 25 minutes or so, because the first 25 minutes or so are a chore to get through. They are, it's painful. Um, but after that 25-minute mark, it kind of goes at a pretty decent clip, um, whereas we talked about the issues with the Pet Cemetery remake where it was kind of similar, except it was front-loaded with just boringness, and then the end was just nonstop scenes that weren't uh terrible i guess (laughs) so i would give this 3.5 out of 10 pumpkins so i mean derek's high with his five you're 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 two at 5.5 you're two pumpkins over what i rated this movie Mm -hmm. so you like really like it i'm probably gonna buy it for you on blu-ray well i wouldn't say like (laughs) but uh oh yeah i so I couldn't find it on any uh, streaming platform except for, uh, well, something I had to pay for. And I was like, man, do I buy this movie? I don't want to buy it. Do I rent this movie? Don't really want to rent it. So I got Stars. So it's kind too. of a plug for Stars. I was like, I'm going to sign up for Stars for a month because at least I'll get something out of this. It's like 99 cents right now. Yeah. yeah. I have Stars. That's where I watch it as well. I watch it on Stars. 
Um, um, I think what we should do is pitch in Lydia so Derek can get a Derek can get a tattoo of the fog since <laughs> this is his new favorite film. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to imagine what that tattoo would look like. Well, it would clearly be uh, oh, Nick well, Castle taking off his shirt, shirt that says you're yeah. sexy as hell when you're mad. Yeah. <laughs> you and I will get tattoos, Lydia, of Tom Atkins. There we go. That's just all it is. <laughs> that's all that's all you need. It's that just might, Tom Atkins. That might no be a bad idea. Needed. You should. That should be your next tattoo is a Tom Atkins one. Drinking a beer. <laughs> <laughs> while driving while driving <laughs> yeah and then you should put your quote underneath it is he attractive <laughs> i think he is oh, that's the t-shirt oh that's the t-shirt is he attractive i think he is look <laughs> okay, at you wrestled with it you're like oh, I don't know. yeah yeah he is <laughs> <laughs> yeah most definitely. That's so funny. Um, also, I wanted to point out that, because since we forgot to point this out in the last uh, episode, that Nick Castle's character is named after the Nick Castle who plays Michael Myers in Halloween. Correct. It's uh, John Carpenter's friend, Nick Castle, who was also a film director, um, who directed like the, the, uh, quite a few movies. Um, he is... The, yeah, and Dan O'Bannon, which we mentioned last week, is uh, the the writer of uh, Return of the Living Dead and Alien. Um, now, I don't know who uh, Spooner is named after in this film. <laughs> <laughs> He's an original character. <laughs> He's named after the famous Spooner. <laughs> that must have been what the Tom Welling and uh, Maggie Grace were doing in the shower. <laughs> they definitely weren't having sex, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, you guys do know who who plays the uh, who plays John Blake in this movie, right? He's pro Does he look familiar to you guys? You've seen him in tons of stuff. Uh, it's yeah, yeah. I was actually... Um, I should have looked that up because I know I've seen him. His name, I don't I don't want to mispronounce it. It's Rade Serbeja. And he is in Mission Impossible 2 as the scientist at the beginning that Ethan is... You know, that, that when the face maker thing, all that stuff happens. The scientist... He's also the homeless guy in Batman Begins that Bruce Wayne gives him his coat at the beginning. Oh, he's yeah. that guy. Um, God, he's in so much stuff. Uh, he's in Eyes Wide Shut. Derek, your brother, would know what scene he's in in that. <laughs> he's in Taken, too. He's the vil main villain in Taken, too. Yeah, I was going to say he was in Taken. Yeah. Bobo yep. Vega, or whatever, however you pronounce it. Yep, <laughs> Baba Yaga. Maybe That's uh, that, wrong. that is John Wick. Baba Yaga. What, did I, what did I say? Or what'd you say? Taken. Dang it! <laughs> there, 
which stars really Maggie Grace, of course. Yeah, that's that's where I was going with that. You know, I kind of wish halfway through this movie that ghosts were like attacking Elizabeth, and then Liam Neeson would have showed up and said, "What I have is a particular set of skills. <laughs> Make me a nightmare to ghosts like you. <laughs> if you go back onto your ship, that'll be the end of it. But if you don't." <laughs> I will hunt you. I will find you. And I will re-kill you. <laughs> so, folks, that was um, Rupert Wainwright's uh, 2005 remake of The Fall, which, by the way, is the last film that Rupert Wainwright has directed. <laughs> and, I mean, coincidence? Uh, yeah, I would say that's a negative. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not a coincidence. Mr. Wainwright, if you're listening, I think you're a very talented man. Uh, you just uh, missed the boat on this one. Ooh. Get it? Because it it's uh, not a ghost ship, though, which you should tune in and watch Ghost Ship. <laughs> Recommended by Screen Bloody Movies. Yes. All right, any final thoughts? That's for you guys. Any final thoughts? Okay, I have some final thoughts. I feel like I always have like a couple things in my notes that I'm like... Get to them. I missed. We missed this completely while we were talking. Um, so the scene with Andy when he's in his room, the babysitter just died. He's like terrified. He sees the fog coming and he grabs this tiny roll of scotch tape i knew that that's what you were gonna say i loved that part so oh, much oh you loved it i like i laughed fun of it hard for I, it. no i laughed so hard but i really i was like that would have been me as a kid. <laughs> i uh, started laughing at that and quincy's like what that my wife, she's like, what? That You know, that's genius. I was like, yeah, if it was duct tape. <laughs> it's scotch <laughs> tape, tape, folks. <laughs> hey, he's a kid. He's trying. He's doing his best. He's living his best life. Say hello. Say hello. Did, did he, uh, hi, Radar. Did he ask for a stomach pounder in this version? No, he did not. He was listening for it. Missed opportunity. No stomach pounder. Changing my rating to a two. <laughs> Changing it. <laughs> what other? Did you have any other notes? Um, <laughs> a little distracted now. Here, get down. There we go. Okay. Um. Uh, I guess my only other note that we missed is actually. Um, well, I wrote down that this felt like a bad supernatural episode. Yeah. Yes, it does. Doesn't it? Yeah. Yes, like, it does. Like, I felt it was... would have done it better. I felt like it was a Scooby-Doo uh, <laughs> episode. Like, it felt very Scooby-Doo-ish to me. Yeah. Now, like, if only, like, they would have been revealed to have been alive, and it was, like, the, the carnival owner that's actually doing all of it to, to get the island, as Derek would call it, off, you know, for himself, then, then it would be Scooby-Doo. But, yeah, it does feel like a Supernatural episode. Yeah. Derek, Which final. I do. I do like Supernatural, so that's. Well, yeah. I don't want to insult great. Supernatural. <laughs> no, Supernatural is great. This is not. 
Derek, any uh, parting words for the fog? Um, you know, it just, uh, nothing really stood out in the movie, right? It was a 2000s, early 2000s horror movie. It wasn't a classic horror movie from the 1980s. It was just mediocre. It, it, it had nothing going for it. Yeah, empty calories. Uh, I will say one yeah. of the things that I'm very thankful is that it missed the trend of the uh, speed ramps and chaotic editing of the late 90s and the early 2000s. We didn't have that aesthetic going on. We had the more clean, as you put it, Derek, commercial um, you know, version. So, yeah. Um, I would not necessarily recommend it. You guys recommend it? Nope. I would recommend it maybe to children who are too scared to actually watch a scary movie. Hmm. But want to, like, kind of, like, be involved in, like, a horror kind of franchise. I would say skip this and watch Goosebumps. On par with the same quality, I would say. All right, that's all we have for you this week. Tune in next week when we'll be reviewing uh, the uh, Chuck Russell's 1988 version of The Blob, starring Matt Dillon and Shawnee Smith. For Jamie Hiles and Lydia Judy and Derek LeMaster, remember, if you're going to scream, scream bloody bloody movies. movies. You guys are the absolute (laughs) worst at this. Screen bloody movies. I'll see you next week.